Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! It's the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. He talks to me. fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santorowski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about a busy, busy week of racing news. Joining me in the studio is Richard Uden and Louise Torres. Guys, how we doing? Good, thank you. Good, good. Can't wait to be 26 on Friday. <laughs> You're so young. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so a lot of breaking news with... Uh, schedules uh, nascar has released their schedule and it's it's very different uh yeah you know nascar has uh really had a lot of continuity in their schedule over the years uh, you know only making smaller changes at a time but this uh pretty big shake up here also indycar has not released a full schedule but they they've released uh bits and pieces of their schedule and, and information of what uh, uh where they'll be going and where they will not be going so that's uh, all interesting to talk about but let's uh let's first delve into this NASCAR schedule the one thing that just really sticks out is the amount of road courses uh that we are now running i mean there was you know for years we had the uh, you know one appearance at the Glen and one appearance at Sonoma um they added the Roval uh, this year they added the Daytona road course. So next year's schedule, we're gonna the clash will be on the Daytona road course, um, which will be fun to watch. Um, we're adding Road America, uh, which is Road America is gonna be a hit. I, I, I'm gonna tell you, those people in that part of the country love their racing. Um, the um, Xfinity guys put on a great show there. Uh, the IndyCar puts on a great show there. Um, they've got uh, great sports car races. I, I think a cup race at Road America is a win-win. Uh, that's going to be a big one. Uh, we're also adding in Coda. Uh, Coda is going to pick up a NASCAR date. This uh, this may be at the expense of uh, uh, the IndyCar date. They may not have the IndyCar date. They may not have the Formula One race uh uh, back there next year, that is up in the air. But the one thing that we do know they will have is a cup race. And, again, the, the cup guys should be pretty entertaining at Dakota as well. Um, then, then the other road course is going to be the Brickyard 400. will now be run on the road course. I don't know that it's going to be a 400. Certainly, I can't imagine running 400 miles on the road course. Uh, Probably they, 4K, they, they 400K. Could, they could make it a 400K, which would be about 258 miles, which would be a pretty good uh, distance for a um, for road course there. But they, they haven't actually uh, announced or released what the, the length will be. And then the other bit of interest is that the, the spring race at Bristol will be a dirt race. They're going to load several thousand pounds of dirt and spread it around the um <laughs> spread it around the concrete there and uh make a dirt track out of bristol and it'll be the first uh cup race on dirt since 1970 so um yeah interesting um pocono is going to be a double header um chicagoland is going to disappear uh kentucky speedway will disappear and uh, Michigan, I believe, is going down to one race. Yep. Um, so does that, did I hit all the changes there, Louise? You need to mention also Atlanta and Darlington have two races now. Dover has been scaled down to one. Fontana may be the last one on the two-mile circuit. And Texas is the all-star race. And it's now a one-point-paying cup race at the playoff campaign. Uh, okay, so they've got one points paying race and then the all-star race. 
and yep. my the I had I had heard through the grapevine that the the granting Texas the All Star race was uh, one way of, of appeasing Eddie Gossage, who's highly territorial uh, and, and really. Uh, is not a big fan of Coda and not a big fan of, uh, he wasn't a big fan of IndyCar going to Coda and he, I know he's not a fan of, uh, <laughs> NASCAR going to Coda, but, but, uh, so now, and the other thing is that the, uh, the Brickyard will share the bill with the IndyCars. Uh, once again, they, they, uh, shared the weekend, although the, uh, this year the, uh, the cup cars not were the still on time. the oval. Uh, not at the same time. <laughs> I think the, um, that would be yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have class drivers like class victories. That would be that would not be something. That would be something else. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, 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 of all these new races, guys, uh, which one do you kind of want to delve into and talk about a little bit? We can you know talk about some of these different things there. Uh, Richard, which which of these most appeals to you? I think Cup Car at uh, Coda is going to be uh, pretty entertaining there. Um, the Formula One still does have a contract for next year. I don't know when the contract expires on Coda, but they definitely do have a contract for next year. Now, it doesn't mean it can't be bought out or some sort of agreement come up. Uh, but Coda's a great facility. You know, it, it, it's a world-class facility. It's one of the best around. And uh, it'll be interesting, you know, for the NASCAR guys to go there. It's uh, it's a million miles away from most uh, cup tracks in terms, uh, in terms of facilities. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with pit road and all that sort of stuff. Um, but... Uh, uh, I don't know, is there a pit road on the back stretch that they could use? I don't think there is, is there? But, uh, you know, because obviously where the start-finish line is at the moment for a conventional race, it's uh, it's all built up as, you know, for their IndyCar and Formula One-style pit garages. So, uh, you know, yeah, miles that, away from That might be from, interesting to know. Uh, NASCAR. Yeah, I wonder if there is a back stretch. Yeah, because... Like for, you know, for like, a, the, you know, the non main race series if you like mm. I don't know it's an interesting thought but yeah it's going to be great I know they've tested there in the past uh, I think Martin Truex Jr. tested there five or six years ago and uh, Haas with uh, you know they did that PR thing with Tony Stewart and um, Kevin Magnussen and Roman Grosjean a couple of years ago um, but it it'll be, good. be interesting to know if they use the full circuit um, or if they use a you know reduced layout because it's a long track I mean that would be a oof, Probably two minutes thirty lap time in a cup car. I'm guessing. I can't remember what lap times we did when when uh, we were testing out there, but uh, it's not going to be a you know a quick you know one minute thirty lap. It'll be uh, it'll stretch out for sure. But uh, it's good. It's you know six six road courses. I think this year in uh, in oh sorry next year for cup racing. It's going to be really good. I think it's going to be. Uh, I, I think it's the way that the series is going to go because they are entertaining. The cars aren't designed naturally to race on road courses, which is what makes it so entertaining and, you know, separates out the field a little bit, gives the guys who really understand the vehicle dynamics and the car dynamics and how to make the cars work on a road course compared to some of the guys who, um, you know, are the oval experts. So uh, I, I think it's going to be great. I'm, I'm yeah, very, certainly, you know, yeah. Looking forward to it. Some some of my favorite NASCAR races happen to you know be at uh, Watkins Glen yeah. in Sonoma and 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 like I mentioned earlier the um, the Xfinity guys put on a great show at Road America and and at Mid Ohio so uh, uh, you know watching it just it, you know it just it just feels like you know NASCAR is is, is just throwing a lot of uh, throwing a lot of darts in the air to just kind of shake things up, make things different. I mean, we've never had this many road courses, you know, and they're, they're scaling yeah. back, scaling back the 1.5 mile ovals. They're, they're, they're doing different things with yeah. race distances. And, uh, and, you know, and the, and the double header at Pocono is, you know, Pocono's dates have always been in my mind, a little close Very together. Close, they? Yeah. Cause there's a, there's one right in now. June, one in July. Uh, this way you yeah. get your whole bang for your buck in the, in the, over the course yeah. of one weekend. So, so I don't know. It, I, there isn't a, or at the moment there isn't a pit road on the back stretch at uh, Coda, but um, so they may have to do something in the in in the existing uh, paddock area. But I, I still wouldn't be surprised if they didn't, um, you know, use the half circuit or whatever they want to call it. Uh, there is a cutoff halfway through the S's at the start of the lap that comes in sort of three quarters of the way down the back stretch. Um, so I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't use the, uh, what I'm going to call the national circuit as we do in for, you know, Silverstone and places like that. True. And the other thing we didn't mention was the addition of uh, NASCAR or um, NASCAR. Na- Nashville. 
Nashville to the NASCAR <laughs> schedule. And this is the and this is the uh, Nashville Super Speedway, the one that's right outside of Lebanon, Tennessee, where previously they had a uh, hosted Indy cars, and this facility's been just used for mainly racing schools and stuff over the last several years. But uh, you know, there was a lot of they used to race. Uh... Truck and Xfinity, there, didn't they? Yes, yep, yes, yes, they did. Ran there along with Arca. Yeah, and the but there's a lot of talk about putting some money into the um, the the Nashville State Fairgrounds Speedway, but I guess all that fell through. So they're gonna they're they're gonna bank on going to the Nashville Super Speedway, which I believe I think it was Jeff Gordon who said, "Right market, wrong track." So so we'll we'll have to see yeah, what what, what happens there. Yeah. Any shot of getting the fairgrounds eventually on the calendar. It's got to have to be ahead financially to see maybe the guys, the powers that be with the fairgrounds and also the MLS soccer program, soccer club, excuse me, are keen to keeping the fairgrounds as it is or more than willing to have all those revenues because that boils down to those guys if we're going to see any fairground action to cup in the foreseeable future. Right. So the other, the other little bits of news are that some folks were – Kind of hoping that Iowa will be granted a cup date, and th- that didn't happen. And and so you know the other, it, it was the the Iowa getting a cup date to some folks. It was like a a, a do or die. You know what I mean? It's either get a cup date or the track's going to be torn down um, or sold. Uh, I guess the the they're, they're struggling kind of financially there, and uh, I believe NASCARs are just willing to get rid of it and let it go. Some folks have speculated that. Roger Penske should buy it, you know, I just to keep the Indy cars there. I mean, I love how people like to spend Roger's money for him, <laughs> you know. But, um, yeah, so Iowa didn't get the date. And let's talk about some of these um, tracks losing dates. Now, Chicago, we had already reported back in May that there are some rezoning plans um, there to rezone that and tear down the track and, um, you know, make the whole thing into a subdivision rezone and residential. Um, so it looks, you know, the fact that uh, the track has announced that, you know, not only will they not be hosting NASCAR, but they will not be hosting any racing activity kind of gives a lot of uh, life to, to that story that, uh, you know, the Chicago land motor speedway will be no more before you know it. Um, but the interesting thing is the interesting one is Kentucky. So this leaves Kentucky without a marquee event. You know, I, I'm sure they still may get a uh, Xfinity and truck date uh, out of it. But but here's a facility that they've recently put a lot of money into. You know, they repaved the whole thing uh, in 2016. They did a major project where they tore up the whole track to fix all the drainage problems. And here, just four years later, now no cup date, you know. Yeah, and um, the government... The governor from Kentucky is not pleased about it. I caught a little bit of an article that he's not too pleased about the decision that Cup is not going to be going back to Sparta next season. Well, they said that the, um, in as far as impact on the economy, um, that the the NASCAR race in Kentucky is only second to uh, the Kentucky Derby in as far as economic impact. So that's, uh, yeah, that definitely is a blow. Um, you know, I do know that, uh, you know, I, have spoken with the, um, the, 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 managing director out there at Kentucky Speedway and his, that they would love to, uh, host the IndyCars that they would love, they would welcome IndyCar back with open arms. Um, but the story they're getting is that IndyCar really doesn't have any interest in going there. And I don't fully understand why, because it's right in, it's right in the heart of the IndyCar market. You know what I mean? We're, we're just a, a few minutes that track is a few minutes from cincinnati it's only 90 miles from indianapolis you know and it's only it's only in a, less than an hour um to louisville uh, which are all major metropolitan areas so i don't know why indycar is not interested in kentucky other than the fact that uh, you know after 2011 they they kind of have really been gun shy about any mile and a half ovals other than texas yeah, I don't get it. At this moment, IndyCar is sorely in dire and needing at least a couple more ovals. With Iowa gonna, likely going to be gone, and then Richmond, why not even hitting a lap of that circuit? Because yes, yeah, the, the whole the Richmond, Richmond is 
gone. I mean, they had a three-year deal, and now they're just not going to run it at all. I'm not. Uh, I don't. I don't get their mindset, and that's part of the frustration I have with the when Robin Miller posted that that leaked schedule, the possibility that that's going to be it. It's it's rather mm. underwhelming because IndyCar used to be all about the ovals, but now there's only just in the 500, of course, doubleheader at Texas. And of course, Gateway. All popular. Well, Gateway's a popular venue, and of course, the 500 Texas has always put on some kind of a show. But other than that, yeah, the crowd, the crowds of Texas have dwindled, but uh, they still, they still do okay. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, you know, they still, you know, because they, they host a couple of NASCAR races there, he, he makes a profit by the end of the year. You know, he doesn't go totally broke running IndyCar. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, adding, adding a Kentucky onto the schedule uh, wouldn't be a bad thing. It's, it's, it's right, in, right in the market, you know. and um, It's also not as banked as Las Vegas, which is, a, which is one of the main reasons why there's been so gun-shy about it. Vegas has a different style of banking that's probably still more suited. If I remember correctly – isn't what the current Kentucky sort of still similar with the Kentucky they last ran in 2011, to a degree? Ah, uh, no, no, because when they repaid it in 2016, they 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 banked turns uh, one and two a little higher. They added a little banking okay. to turns one and two, then they narrowed um, they they narrowed the the, the the pit exit and the, that part of the turn I you know and some folks say well that's just going to be unsuitable for IndyCars cars now I don't know if it is or not until you get the IndyCars cars on there and run them uh right. the, you know have but a pro- um, have a private test one of these days and see if it pans out and see what the drivers feel uh, you know the uh, the Indy lights test in Kentucky every summer you know even yeah. on the on the new configuration have, so I don't see why it's stop what's stopping IndyCar from trying to do it. I understand testing is a hard thing to come by these days, but it's one of the few series that does it with relative ease. NASCAR obviously has that ban. Formula One, they have it at certain times, but it's mostly banned otherwise. Yeah, and IndyCar IndyCar did draw a very nice crowd at Kentucky uh, for a time until they started fiddling with the date. You know, when they they pushed it into uh, October, I think, and then then they then they pulled it back to Labor Day weekend, um, and the, the tr- crowd started dwindling when they started fooling with the date, which, you know, obviously that, that's the same thing that happened out there in, in Fontana. But the, um, you know, from I want to say from, uh, uh, you know, 2001 or so to about 2008, nine, they, they had a pretty good, healthy crowd there. Yeah, that's the thing about date swapping. When you switch it too much, it's going to hurt. And that's what I feel like Homestead might end up looking like with now that being after the Daytona 500. With people, and that's one thing I wanted to comment about one of the schedule changes about Homestead. Bear in mind, you have Speed Weeks, which is now condensed to a whole week with the Clash and, and pole qualifying on a weekday this time around. Whether or not we'll eventually find out what the format of the Bush Clash is, another topic for another time, but... You don't not only have Daytona Speedway, you also have the races at Volusia and New Smyrna. And I imagine some, plenty of folks go to those races as well to get their racing fix. But when you add Homestead the following weekend, would people show up to it? That, because you've got to consider their finances is not looking great with the pandemic. I can't imagine how hard or how much of a hit it'll have with everything. Albia Ford is one of the few states that have been not so hesitant. That have that without hesitant they have allowed crowds in some capacity, and I'm actually come speed weeks, it's more and more going to grow. But I think the other thing you got to consider with that homestead date is, and they did it a few years ago with that whole West Coast swing. You know, the, the transportation costs for the teams are not inconsiderable, and especially now, you know, the teams are trying to tighten their their budgets. Uh, in terms of, you know, and if they can make a saving on transportation costs and not having to drive back and, you know, backs and forwards up and down the country. So it's not a cheap uh, operation. 
uh, they'll be saving you know a few dollars here and there, which for these new teams and smaller teams is very very important. So uh, I understand what you're saying in terms of that from that aspect, but you know what what's the distance from Daytona down to Homestead? You know, are people going to travel? Are people but are people going to travel from Miami to you know who tra- how many people travel from Miami to the uh, Daytona every year? And how many people travel from the Daytona area down to Homestead every year and aren't going to do it this year because they're back-to-back? Um, I, I don't think it's a huge, you know, um, impact. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, well, yeah. uh, it'll be different. I think it'll be difficult to gauge next year because I can imagine even in February there'll still be extremely limited um, spectator numbers um, compared to what we're used to. But, True. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think by February we'll be back to normal yet. No, I mean the weather in home, uh, in, if, for the uh, homestead race, you know, is always a little bit hit and miss, and I think bringing it forward to February probably does secure the weather there a little bit better as well. And you're not up, is not up, in, uh, I'll try to say that again. You're not up against as many other sports as you are, you know, at different times of the year. You know, there's, I think the Super Bowl's been and gone by then. So we, what are the Professional sports are being run at that time of year on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday evening. To, I think to it's clash because of the it. Super there's, there's Bowl. Yeah, I think it's because of the Super Bowl is why the clash have been moved on a weekday instead yeah. of the usual Saturday, Sunday, all that stuff. And with ARCA being yeah. a dub back to back following is oh, the night the day before it's the contagious. Daytona, yeah, the day before <laughs> the Daytona 500 is ARCA and Xfinity. Where it's completely unorthodox to think about it because we have been established what day is what for speed weeks. Maybe it's just yeah. only a 2021 thing, but if it turns out to be successful, then it's probably for the long haul. Yeah, I mean, well, there's 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 a lot of stuff unorthodox about the you know next year's schedule. Yeah. So yeah. and and again, like I say, they're they're pulling out all the stops to try to add some. Add some variety, add some spark. You know, I like I like some of the changes that they've they've done. Other, other things I question, but uh, let's let's talk about this. Well, I mean, we t- yeah. Okay, oh, no, no, go ahead, Richard. Well, my my last comment was we talked about this a few weeks ago. You know, twenty twenty has obviously been a, a a crazy year to put it mildly, and so many sports, not just the racing world, have had to think you know outside the box for their scheduling and the format and and, and the training and the spectator participation and the like that um, I think it's actually probably shown some of these sports. Actually, we can do this. We can do things that are, we've, excuse me, never thought we've been able to do before. So that's may, you know, not just motorsports, but all sports, you may see a, you know, a shuffling of, uh, uh, of formats and, uh, and the like to, you know, cause they've, they've never been in a position to experiment before. And this has been a perfect opportunity for that to happen. Oh, certainly, yeah. I mean, there's there's been a lot of things that are different. You know, baseball run a shorter season. Uh, you know, you know the N- NBA came out with a, a compressed season as well. Um, but yeah, so but let's let's talk about this brickyard a little bit because this um, again this this intrigues me. The the Cup cars on the road course and the Indy cars, and I believe the, I believe the Xfinity is going to run on the road course as well. It's going to be a triple header. I believe that if I'm not mistaken, that on Saturday you'll have a double header. Of both the Xfinity and Indy cars running the same day, and then Sunday the the headline event will be the the Cup cars on the road course. But you see, but, that, sorry, can I just interrupt? Sorry, sorry, I don't. Remember. Sure, no, go right ahead. But that is, I think, part of the problem here for IndyCar. IndyCar should be the headline event at Indianapolis. You know, it's it's there. You know, would you turn around and say, you know, Formula One wanted to run at Daytona? Uh, you know, NASCAR wouldn't be an undercard to a Formula One race at Daytona. There'd be a mutiny. Whereas you're going to Indianapolis, admittedly the road course, not the not the super speedway. But you know, if you should have everything, you should have Xfinity on the Saturday and the Indy cars and the Cup cars on the same day on the Sunday. You know, they should both share that headline slot. I think it's doing a big disservice to. Um, you know, IndyCar's stature, especially at that location. I mean, I've worked at an event a few years ago where um, IndyCar was the undercard to a truck race. I mean, <laughs> you know, IndyCars, I'm surprised they've gone with that. I thought they should have done IndyCar and Cup on the Sunday and have the Xfinity on the Saturday. But Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, but, but then again, you know, there's there's the realist 
in me that that knows that as much as I love IndyCar and as much as I appreciate it in IndyCar, NASCAR is still the you know the 800 pound gorilla. <laughs> you know, uh, they're, they're still they still got more name recognition. They get better TV ratings, um, and I would like nothing more than to see you know the Cup cars you know warm up the crowd for the Indy cars in the main event. But uh, uh, you know the realist in me just likes the idea of them sharing the same weekend once again two oh, years yeah. in a row. And you know this is something that you know we thought would never come to pass. You know, um, you know, and and here it is second. You know, again it was the COVID. That proved, hey, we can do this and make it work, and now we're going to try it again next year. Um, but I'm really intrigued to see if anybody would try to run both races, because you know that you got a couple of uh, guys out there like, you know, like, like Jimmy Johnson is going to yeah, be there. Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson is going to be there in an Indy car, would he? And it, but he's he's talked about running limited number of of Cup races as well. I wonder if he would do both races, or or what about a guy like Juan Pablo Montoya? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't that be fantastic if he could he could pick oh. up a, a ride for both of those races? That would be neat. Or even a Scott Dixon, albeit if it's an Xfinity race, still having Scott Dixon in NASCAR may be a big deal. It'd be a great crossover, kind of like what Johnson's going to do next season. Yeah, and, and, and you and, 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 Kurt Bush. And, Kurt yeah, and you've got a couple other guys who've uh, got a little Xfinity experience, say uh, uh, James Davison, Connor Daly, McLaughlin. Mag- yeah, McLaughlin. Yeah, he's uh he's he's driven some tin tops. You know, a little more power well, in those, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, endless options for their, and say if Austin Cindric somehow gets the call up to go to cup next year, depending on Matt Devedo's contract, then you have a Penske car open. I imagine you could bring up some Xfinity Ford cards that if a new garden or McLaughlin wants to run, you never know. Yeah. See, a lot of these guys you have, uh, what you should, no, he, he, this is what you should do. And both races on the same day, all the drivers pick a pick out of a hat what car you get to drive. So you have like 60 drivers or whatever it is, 20 <laughs> Indy car seats, 40 cup seats, and you just pick a number out of a hat. You, yeah, you're there. You go, you know, whoever you're going to go and race Indy car. And, <laughs> Timmy you know, Hill in an Indy car would not be something. Oh, there you go. <laughs> or BJ oh, McLeod. Imagine but you'd that. You have to make him uh, Kyle Busch's teammate. That'd be uh, funny, yeah. You just <laughs> just a r- random draw, yeah. We're gonna put. Uh... <laughs> I'm sure Kyle will be willing to be teammates with McLeod. I wouldn't say the same if it was Gase or Smithley, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be it'd be just luck, you know. Garrett Smithley would draw. Oh, you get to run a Will Powers car. <laughs> And see and see how that shakes out. But yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I'll uh, I'll I'll certainly attend that weekend. Um, you know, I'll I'll be making plans now. It's going to be in August. Um, you know, the, last year they did what Fourth of July weekend, so they're the moving back to August. Um, and they're calling it Brickyard Weekend. You know, it's the, they've dropped the Brickyard 400 moniker, so we'll have to see what the race distance is. Uh, but but that's going to be that's going to be a fun. Fun weekend. Um, again, I just I, I enjoy watching Cup cars on a road course. I do. I, I the first the first one I saw was in oh 1990 or 1991, and uh, it was a Sonoma, and I was just flipping through channels. I'm like, what is this? It looks just like this. It looks just like NASCAR, but that that's Sonoma, you know, because I I wasn't really paying a lot of attention to NASCAR at the time. I was you know more of a Formula One. Uh, IndyCar guy, then I just got sucked into watching this race, and this cat named Mark Martin, who flipped his car upside down, ran back to his pit pit box and got his crew run back out there with him. They flipped it back on his wheels. He hopped back in and got back in the car. I'm like, that dude is badass, you know? So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to some of the changes that uh, NASCAR has lined up. So, But speaking of the Brickyard and the Indianapolis Road Course, IndyCar will be hosting a doubleheader uh, this weekend, mm-hmm. and a certain Mr. Scott Dixon can actually cl- uh, clinch the championship uh, this weekend if everything goes his way. Uh, if if not, yeah, there's on my birthday actually. Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe the next coming race, maybe the first one. You never know. Could well, I think he could clinch if he finishes first. And 
And New Garden finishes worse than seventh, I believe, was the scenario I read that he could, he could clinch race one if uh, if New Garden yeah. finishes. Yep. So. But anyway, so let's uh, before we move on to talking about Formula One in the Eiffel Mountains, let's uh, pick a, pick us a couple of winners for the road course at Indianapolis. Louise. Never count out Will Power. I think with that win the, at Mid Ohio, I think it's going to do him well. So I pick willpower for race number one. As for race number two, if strategy falls in his way, and based on what we saw, don't count out Graham Ray Hall. That's my wild pick for race number two. All right, Richard, who do you like? Hmm, let's go with Joseph Newgarden to win one of them, and Scott Dixon to win the other. Okay, so actually in I the... I mean, I'm, the... I'm, I'm taking a long shot at those two. I know. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, no, uh, yeah. Richard, I pick Graham Rahal, so you're, you're that's more that's more of a long shot, yeah. Colin Hurst would be my wild card if I was going to pick a wild card. Or Elio Castroneves in that seven card. Remember that McLaren had power mm-hmm. in that one. Yeah, Ollie, I mean with Ollie before he wrecked the thing, and kind of that's where it's twirled the downward of his rookie year that had so much problems at that beforehand. That's an interesting one. If we, I know just to spend a minute talking about that, I know we're not up to inter- interrupt and take time away from Formula 1, but, you know, what testing gets done by IndyCar, you know, by sounds of it, you know, he's been suffering from these concussion symptoms since the Indianapolis 500, which was, what, a month ago now. Yep. Um, and there's been a number of races since, and we all know the dangers of multiple high-speed impacts. Yeah, he you also know, had that where, incident at Gateway, too, or at the start. Yeah, where's, where's the liability? Where's, you know, I mean, and I'm sure there is somebody within the IndyCar medical group saying, um, we can't let this happen, you know. What, yeah, it, what it, are we doing to screen the drivers? Because you look at, I mean, Dale Jr. had the same thing, didn't he? When, you know, he was yeah. suffering from concussion symptoms and eventually turned around and said, look, I, I've got to stop right now. Um, yeah. It wasn't an instantaneous thing. And I know the symptoms are different for everybody, but, you know, I know they do an instantaneous neurological check on a driver when they have a big impact like that, but, you know, do they screen the following week? Do they, what long-term, you know, protection do they provide the drivers? Or is it up to the driver to turn around and say, hey, look, I'm just not feeling well. And then you get the young guys thinking, well, shit, you know, I can't turn around and say I'm not well, I'll lose my work. You know, sponsors and all that, you know, it puts pressure on them. Yeah, I believe I believe that's exactly the case what happened with, uh, with a ward there. Or with um, Askew, rather, that he um, they said that he he was tested and, and you know screened and tested and he passed concussion protocol. Um, so I I don't know if they're tested race by race, but perhaps you know a big enough impact maybe they should because uh, I guess evidently his symptoms got worse. I don't know. So, but yeah, but it, but it is kind of it is it is kind of frightening that. Uh, yeah, this is a lingering effect of a crash, you know, back in August, and he's raced a couple times since. You know, yeah. makes you makes you just a you know just a, just a comment that I saw when I saw the news. It's like, you know, that's uh, and I know you know I'm not a neurologist by any stretch of the imagination, but um, you know I know that you know sometimes these in, you know impacts and injuries do take a while to um, you know become apparent. But, uh, you know, they've got some of the best guys in the world at this. And the negative reaction and negative publicity from something like this can be pretty uh, pretty detrimental to sport. So it would just be interesting to see what the actual timeline of events was uh, with that. Yeah, it would. It would. So, all right. So, oh, I didn't make my picks. I, I think you, you, you got to look at a guy like uh, Simon Pagenaud. <laughs> uh, who's uh, yeah. won there a couple of times. I like Simon for race one. And I like Dixon for race two and clinch the championship. Yeah. What's I the, do what's the weather you... forecast like for this weekend there? Chilly. Chilly. Okay. Chilly. They wouldn't know what to do there in Indianapolis in the cold. <laughs> that would, that would sure. have been a neat birthday gift, some chilly. There you go. Chilly. There you go. There you <laughs> Big go. bowl of chilly, yeah. So, yeah. Ah, I mean. You could call the race the chilly bowl. I don't know if somebody's already done that. Nah, I was going to say, yeah, that, that was taken, yeah. The Chili, chili Bowl <laughs> definitely on my bucket list still, and along with the 500 of Rogue 24 and yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. All right, so Formula One Indeed. We ran at Sochi. Um, everybody yep. was hoping to with see. Fans. Everybody was, uh, yes, yeah, with fans, yep. Everybody was hoping to see um, Lewis Hamilton. Sorry, 
sorry, sorry, sorry. Everybody? Okay, well, a lot of fo- a lot of folks were anticipating that, that Lewis Hamilton would match Michael Schumacher's record of 91 Grand Prix wins this weekend, but that didn't come to pass. Again, no. again, some penalties yeah. for Lewis. So, yeah. Richard, Richard, t- take us through this. And, and by the way, uh, Valtteri Baltas for the win. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, we, we saw in qualifying um, a, a massive lap by Verstappen to get P2 there. Um, Hamilton took a dominating pole in reality, and Bottas just couldn't get his lap together through a disjointed qualifying session. There, I mean, in fact, Hamilton did very was lucky to get through Q2. Um, Vettel had a pretty big uh, impact uh, with about two or three minutes left, and uh, that sort of red flagged the session and, and threw everybody's laps into a little bit of uh, confusion. And I think Hamilton only crossed the start finish line with about one and a half seconds left to go to get his lap in, which would get him through to um, the Q3 slot. And I'll say this. I don't often agree with Christian Horner, but I think he was spot on with his comments post-race regarding Hamilton's penalty. Um, So the scenario was there. When the cars leave pit road, uh, or leave the pit lane, on their lap to the grid at the start of a Formula 1 race, they are allowed to do a practice start at the end of the pit lane. There's a little designated painted-on pit box, or a, sorry, start grid slot uh, where they can do a practice start. And they use that to get the clutch bite point and make sure everything's you know functioning correctly. Now, you know, Hamilton, I think, was sort of slightly late out of his garage, and he gets to this designated area, he pulls in, and he's like, oh, guys, look, there's you know, a load of rubber down here. I'm not going to get a representative start because, obviously, there's not the same amount of rubber on the, uh, on the main grid. Valid point. Quite a smart you know, thought process. So the team comes on the road. Yeah, don't worry, Lewis. Drive down to the pit lane. You can do a start there. Not a problem. And this is almost out on the track. So he drives down there, lets a couple of guys go past, does a practice start, gets to the grid. Not a problem, as most people thought. Per FIA rules and regulations, you're not allowed to do that. There is a designated area where they can do practice starts on their lap to the grid. And this is, as per the penalty we saw in Monza for Hamilton and Mercedes, this is provided in the pre-race bulletin that the race director, Michael Massey, gives to all the teams via email and communication. Probably the drivers even get it directly themselves. I don't know how the distribution works on that. But again, it shows, to my mind, and from Christian Horner's comments, a certain amount of arrogance. You know, twice they've missed what I would consider pretty fundamental pieces of information that A, everybody else knows, and B, a professional organization like Mercedes should be on top of. They should be reading that document Cover to cover, the race engineer should know that document inside out. The driver should know that document, excuse me, inside out. And they're not. Every other team knows it. Every other team is fully aware of it. So why aren't Mercedes and why wasn't, um, now whether it's, you know, the, the Hamilton side of the garage, whether it's Mercedes as a whole, it, I, I think there's some questions that need to be asked there. And I think, you know, I'm surprised that the Monza situation wasn't a, but it bluntly a kick up the arse for those guys. So, okay, look, we made a mistake here that nobody else, one of the guys, but pretty much nobody else in the field made. You know, why did we make that mistake? Why uh, were we not allowed? You know, why did we fall into that trap? Okay, we didn't read the document properly. Okay, well, two races later, they do exactly the same thing. So there should be questions asked there, and uh, I imagine they won't do it again in a hurry. But yeah, th- that was. Um, Justified to my mind, uh, you know, there's a set of rules there for safety purposes, um, and he didn't follow them. And you know, there's no excuse. You know, the FIA aren't ganging up on Hamilton to to try and deny him a world championship or anything like that. He's just not following the rules. Um, into the race, reasonably processional race in many many ways. Um, you know, once Hamilton had served his penalty, Bottas got ahead of him at the start there from P3, and uh, also Hamilton got got ahead of them. Uh, Bottas got ahead of Verstappen there, um, and Hamilton 
this was a controlled the first period of the start when he came in for his pit stop he had a 10 second penalty uh from that you know start violation and it just was pretty processional out of the front there's some good racing back in the pack um there's a you know, a, a funny situation in many ways where um, Esteban Ockham tried to let Daniel Ricciardo through so Ricciardo could attack uh, Leclerc, I think it was. And um, uh, Ricciardo actually ran wide and um, cut the exit of the turn to corner and he got a penalty for that. And, you know, Daniel Ricciardo came and comes on the radio and says, well, I guess I better need to drive faster then. You know, it wasn't bitching and whining and complaining about it like Hamilton was. He said, right, OK, lads. I've got to drive a bit faster. And he did, and he pulled out a gap, and, uh, you know, he, he kept his place. So fair play to Ricardo for that. He showed a, a lot of maturity and a lot of, um, you know, determination. So got to give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, for um, sure. And I imagine the race team at Renault appreciated it, like, shortly after, it was like, cheers, mate. Yeah, because, you know, it was a bit of a clumsy move. <laughs> it really was, you know. You know yeah. like, okay, Aston, if you're going to yeah. let, let your teammate through, you can do it a little bit better than that. Yes, yeah, so I got a little bit clumsy, but you know they they, they did what they needed to do, and uh, it was um, yeah it it it, it worked. So um, you know it worked in the end for them. But it was it, it's Sochi. It's never the most entertaining race. Um, turn two caught a couple of guys out. Carl Sainz had actually a nasty accident at the start of the race yeah. coming out of turn two. He uh, he missed the chicane or the, there's a sausage. You know what they call these sausages on the exit of. Turn two, and if you go to the left of it, yeah, if you go to the left of the sausage, you've got to go through like a you know runoff area, and you know, if you're to the right of it, you can carry on. Science went to the left, and he's like, oh, okay, well, I need to take the little escape route, as it were, and just pushed it too hard, and actually took his right, or well, his left front corner off on a, a bit of wall that was jutting out. So they made it look at that. I don't think there's anything wrong with the turn two. I know some people were saying the turn two is a, a bad corner. I don't think it's a there bad were corner. plenty. There were plenty of guys who went off, like Grosjean, I brought up a virtual yeah, yeah, safety yeah. car, and also even the F2 race, there was a couple instances like that, and yeah. it's a very difficult circuit, but it was a tough week for those barriers, that's for sure. For uh, Yeah, and, and the actual talk about the F2 race, the sprint race on Sunday morning in F2 was, uh, it's normally like 20, I think it was supposed to be 22 laps, it was actually stopped after eight laps when there was a, a very nasty accident in turn three, which is big, long... 180 degree, almost flat out left hand sweep. Um, two cars uh, came into contact with each other and embedded themselves in the sort of styrofoam barriers, or they were not sort of more than just styrofoam, but the, the barrier system they have there. And one of the cars caught a fire, and it was pretty dramatic actually. And they decided to stop the race there a little bit early. But um, hey, you know, Sochi, Sochi, you're never going to have a you know, a phenomenal race like, you know, like a Silverstone or a Spa or a Suzuka or somewhere like that, because it's just not that type of circuit. But there's a few good moves. A few guys came through the pack. You know, it was okay. Um, it was, you know, it kudos was. again to George Russell on his qualifying performance. You know, 32-0, and 0, I think he is now in his, his qualifying against teammates. Yep. But again, George just struggled with Sunday pace during the race. He... Um, he was started on the medium or the soft tyre, I think it was, and uh, he, he came in to make a stop under the first lap safety car period, went onto the hard tyre, which Rosberg in the past uh, got Rosberg to the end of the race in 2016, I think it was. Uh, but then George like flat spots it two laps after the restart, has to come in for another, you know, it's just just a bit messy for George. He's, his one lap performance in qualifying is phenomenal. Um, he just really needs to excuse me, um, improve his race pace. That's just, that's what's holding him back right now. Yeah, and I would totally love to see him get finally that elusive point. I want him to at least get it before 2022 because yes. it's guaranteed should he one day end up in Mercedes, but it'll be more special if he gets points beforehand. For sure. I think there's a, I think that would be, you know, the, the, the sense of achievement from him. I mean, because he deserves it more than anybody, I think. Um, you know, I, I look at what George has done in the last 18 months there, very similar into what something like Fernando Alonso did when he was at Minardi at the start of his career. You know, obviously signed up to a bit, you know, Alonso was with the Renault program, but, you know, George Russell with the Mercedes program. You know, it's really solid, impressive, not scoring loads of points, but, you know, doing a really damn good job. And, uh, you know, that experience that he'll be gaining, and you saw it from Charles Leclerc when he was at Sauber, 
you know, the the racecraft that you can pick up from tussling with cars, you know, in the back of the pack, it's it's invaluable as you get through your career because at some point you will need to do it. Um, so no, I, again, I can't speak highly enough of the guy. I think he's a fantastic talent. He's got a huge future. I just, you know, I agree with you there. I just love to see him get a point or two. You know, as much for him as for the team. You know, I've been really mm-hmm. impressed with what Williams have done this year uh, with the turmoil of a buyout. Um, and they are the, well, they couldn't get much worse than last year, but if you look at the percentage lap time improvements, they're the most improved team of uh, 2020. Um, so, you know, can, you know, fair play to them. They've done a great job. They fully, fully deserve a point or two here and there. Yeah. Certainly, yeah. So let's uh, let's look forward to um, Nurburgring is where we're going next, and yep. there's a couple of a uh, couple of Formula Two guys, a uh, certain Mister Callum Illett and a certain Mister Mick yeah, Schumacher. Islet, but that's okay. Islet. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't get a lot of <laughs> Formula Two news that, that 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 I can listen to. I have to read read it all, so I have to imagine how to pronounce these things. <laughs> it's, a, it's a British thing. It's a, it's, it's a British thing. It's okay. All right. So so Callum Eilat will be <laughs> in the uh, Haas car uh, in Correct, free, yep. free practice one, right? And um, yep. Mick Schumacher will be in the Alfa Romeo. So both these guys are going to get some uh, seat time in a Formula One car as part of the yeah. you know Ferrari Driver Academy. So uh, uh, mm-hmm. what, what are your thoughts here? These, these, these guys are both uh, – Pretty darn good. I, I think Eilat's oh, yeah. a, a little better than Mick, but Mick has come on really strong the last several weeks, and uh, well, and, and again he's got the he's got the name recognition. He's got the name, and then sometimes that's a detriment. You know, sometimes it's not what you always what you want. But um, you, you look at look at Mick in, in some of the previous in, in some of the, the categories he's been in before uh, Formula Two. He's always had this tendency to start slow. Maybe even take like eighteen months to get up to speed, and then when he's got it, he's got it. You know, his starts have been fantastic. I mean, if you want a guy to get off the line, well, oh, I mean, start at Mons for a few weeks ago was phenomenal. Starting the sprint race at uh, Sochi this last weekend was phenomenal, and um, he's now leading the championship. He's pulling away from the rivals with one round. To, I think there's only one round to go in uh, Abu Dhabi. I think they finished their season in Abu Dhabi. So it gives him an opportunity, I think, to you know, do the young driver test. Because um, I don't think they can do the young And they can do the young driver test and, and fall into in the same week. But, uh, no, it gives him a chance to go and do that. It's a home race for him at uh, the Nürburgring. Uh, somewhere I'm sure he's driven before, so he's got a bit of experience there. And, uh, yeah, he'd be good. You know, I, I think that Ferrari have a wealth of talent right now uh, with... Both Mick Schumacher, Callum Eilert, and uh, Schwartzman as well, who's the third string in that Ferrari bow. Y- you imagine that Schwartzman is going to stay in. He's only a rookie in Formula 2, and he- he's dropped off a little bit. Because um, Schumacher and Schwartzman are, are teammates at, um, at their... Is it, I think they're Dam... Are they with Dams? No, I can't remember. But the team that they're with in Formula 2, and they're teammates. And start of the season, Schwartzman was, was you know, breeding... Mick pretty comfortably, but the tables have turned a little bit on that one. So you imagine that Schwartzman's maybe going to stay for another year in Formula Two, but you'd certainly look for both Eilat and uh, Mick Schumacher to make that step up to Formula One next year in one capacity or another. Um, obviously, Ferrari have a um, veto on one of the seats at Alfa Romeo. So at the moment, Giovinazzi's been in there for the last few years. He's done okay. You know, he hasn't embarrassed himself. He hasn't dug up any trees, though. So I, more than he hasn't done anything wrong, I just don't think he's done anything really well. And I think it's an opportunity now. So I imagine that Ferrari will place one of the guys, uh, Sauber. And I think with the Schumacher history uh, with Sauber, I imagine Mick will go there. Uh, and, of course, you know, the Schumacher family still live in Switzerland. So it's a convenient uh, placement for that. Where Isla ends up, would it could it potentially be in a Haas car? Ferrari have no direct input into the Haas driver lineup. Right, but but, but Haas could. Haas is certainly yeah. looking at uh, retooling their driver lineup. That's uh, been heavily yeah. rumored that they want uh, yeah. uh, fresh fresh guys in in the cars next year. So <laughs> yeah, again, you know neither of the you know Grosjean and Magnussen haven't done anything terribly wrong. 
but to the same extent, they haven't done anything amazing. You know, they haven't dragged the car up to you know higher higher levels. They've always been, you know, they've always put the car where it deserves to be in many many ways. So you'd like though to they'll probably keep one of those two guys, um, and or an experienced driver along with Ilot. So maybe a Perez and Ilot combination. Who knows? Um, although Gunter Steiner did say that Perez wasn't a particularly attractive option. So. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. Interesting, yeah. When you've got Grosjean, you don't think Perez is an attractive option. Okay. All right, so... <laughs> well, no, no, sorry. No, sorry, I misquoted. Gunter Steiner said it wasn't a no-brainer. Okay. All right, okay, that's... Uh, yeah, he says... Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what... Yeah. Okay, that's... Yeah, yeah that, that makes a little more sense than he's not an attractive option. Yeah, fake so. news. No, we've got enough <laughs> fake news in the world. Okay, so uh, now are we racing at the <laughs> Nürburgring uh, this coming weekend, or do we have the week off? We got a bit of it, like October ninth. Uh, October eleventh is the actual race date. Okay, so so yeah, next weekend. All right, so let's uh, yeah. let's uh, let's move on and talk about there was a cup race at Vegas, and mm-hmm. it was Kurt Busch taking the win, uh, his first win That's on the season, uh, right at the right time, keeps him solidly yeah. in the playoffs. And uh, Louise, uh, you had written an article about the. Um, the exciting finish to uh, an otherwise kind of a mundane race. So I'll let you take us through uh, uh, the Vegas race. Yeah. If you watched the last 35, 40 laps, then you pretty much saw everything that went down. The only memorable thing that happened in the first 225 or so laps was when Joey Legato and Kyle Busch got into it, almost at the same area where they came into blows in 2017. But fortunately, both cars kept themselves straight. They went to Pave Road, and they recovered all right. If it wasn't for those cautions late in the race, they would have had a disastrous day. Disastrous yeah, Logano was sort of always pegged the second guy one lap down, wasn't he, for huge stretches of that race. Yeah, and, it's like, and we were wondering, oh, boy, this going to hurt them big time yeah. in the playoffs. And while Logano is still slightly ahead, I think it was like nine points over Alex Bowman, who holds the final spot, and then there's Kyle Busch, the first one out. It looked like a disastrous day, but then you had incidents involving Jimmy Johnson, John Hunter Nemechek, and William Byron. Then it boiled down to his pit strategy and, and Matt McCall, which people have given flack over the years, especially last July at Daytona when, had he stayed out, he would have won over Justin Haley, but that didn't happen. But he's slowly becoming, and I think Kurt said it best, that he's or I think it was somebody, somebody else on a, another podcast mentioned it best that McCall is not afraid to pull different strategies and see if it sticks. And this one is so it definitely sticks. Great restarts <laughs> by Kurt. And now who would have thought in 2020, he would have won before Kyle, much less a Chip Ganassi car would have won before Kyle. And Hey, just, and Hey, Kyle's kid won a race this weekend too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, and that, so, and, so yeah, Kyle, Kyle had a, where his brother and his son both won races and he's, Again, going home empty-handed. Poor Kyle. Didn't they? Uh, didn't they share? They were saying on the uh, announcers were saying that they were going to share a flight back. Oh, that was an awkward flight, wasn't it? Oh. oh, oh. Well, oh, Kurt oh. had fun on its own flight, roaming around downtown Las Vegas, saw everything at Sin City, and then the Allegiant Airlines Stadium where the Raiders play. Oh yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was a big win because that was his home tra- hometown. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. no crowds got to yeah. see that, but. This could be, who knows, that was a sentimental win because one of the CBS reporters said there's a 50-50 chance that 2021 might be it for Kurt. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. I mean, well, Kurt is, uh, how, how he's over 40 now, is he not? I think he's above 40. I think he is 40 now. Yeah, so he's, uh. Yeah, he's at the he's at the sharp end of his career. Um, you know, so, if, if if he were to uh, you know, have a farewell season next year, you know, he's he's had a great career. You know, Daytona 500 winner, won a championship, but uh, but here he is, right right in the thick of the of the playoffs now. Um, so, and, so I just wanted to to sort of reflect a little bit on on that race as well, a little bit from more of a strategy standpoint, and you'll see it so often um, in in cup races, especially on the sort of the mile and a half ovals. Where, you know, anything within, say, the last 10 laps is a caution, 10 laps to go or whatever, and there's 20 guys in the lead lap, it's almost a no-win situation for a big group of guys. So if you're you're the leader and you stay out, you know what's going to happen. Everybody else pits. So you're the leader, you pit, the, the top, you know, four or five guys, six guys pit, and 
you know, it's almost like you, the the leader is, to my mind, adversely penalised under that situation. I mean, be, I don't know the numbers, but it'd be interesting to look back on you know the last five years of NASCAR when there's been a on a circuit that gives you that ability to to pit, stay out in the last ten laps. How many leaders with ten to go and that you know have actually ended up winning a race? You know, on because it's almost like it's just. It, 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 I wouldn't say it's not fair, but I don't know if you sort of get where I'm coming from with this. It's sort of it, it, it throws up such a huge variable, and you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You're in a no-win situation, but you've driven the last 360 miles or whatever it is, and you've got to the front, you've claimed this lead, and then oh yeah, look, there's a you know brake hose ten yards in the infield on the back stretch. Let's throw a debris caution to make it exciting. Well, that's just screws this guy's race I, I i don't know i i, I thought that that was a little bit uh, unlucky for some of the leaders uh you know because obviously i think kurt stayed out didn't he and, and managed to, to claim the win there yep is alex bowman who was leading wasn't it and then it was bowman's he, race to lose it kind yeah, of uh, and he did <laughs> <laughs> and he did yeah, yeah and yeah. kevin harvick was a complete after it was between hamlin and bowman that this it, time yeah. around yeah and he said, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what anybody else thinks, but I don't, you know, it's it's just like I I, I know that they want to keep people interested. The last, I know, like the overtime and the green white check and all this. Oh, you know, it's so exciting. But it's like, you know, dude, these guys have busted their balls for the last three days, you know, in a regular season, apart from this year, to get to that position. And the you know, the pit crew has been spot on all weekend, and they've executed, and everything's been, you know. And then that happens. It's like, oh, we're not just go home, you know, just park it because we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna win. And I, I don't know. I just think it's a little bit over, overly unfair, for want of a better word, or overly manufactured. Yeah, but you, you know, manufa- manufactured yeah. drama. Yeah, that if they, uh, if they threw a red flag, it would have been more manufactured, if you ask me. If Certainly, yeah. Because you have overtime. There's no need of red flagging unless a big wreck happens in overtime. Sure. Any damage, you know, there's, there's damage to the, the, the tractor. Oh, yeah. Do you do. say with 10 laps to go, pit lane, pit road closed? You know, if you want to pit, you have to start at the end of the longest line. You know, because if you've got a pit, like maybe because you're low on fuel or you've got a damage or whatever, and you, you don't, the fact that you can just continue makes it worthwhile. You know, almost like they do at the end of a stage, you know, they shut pit road with two to go you know do they say right with five to go or ten to go we're going to shut pit road to stop that sort of unfair um you know jumbling of the order i i don't know i'm sure as many people have made you know of won races as well obviously as many people have won as have lost but you know I'm kind of... yeah it'll be that's an interesting concept then the question will be then couple crew members may not be happy to say if it was a late race where fuel was a concern, they cannot pit. Well, when you he, mentioned he, if he, they can, they go to the rear. Yeah, so under a caution, actually, yeah. Yeah, 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 so, yeah I mean, know, it's, it's like, yeah, it, it needs some tweaking because how many times have you seen, you know, one guy pit, another guy not, and then, you know, just, just the, the... It just the, the, the race. Yeah, yeah, well, then the contrast between the guy on, on fresh tires or the guy who took four tires against the guy who took two, you know, when when... You know, all this went down in the last ten laps of the race. Uh, you know, I, 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 I mean, I'm with you there, Richard. I understand fully. Is, and the, the, you know, often these debris calls and where you know a guy just like brushes the wall are so subjective on the NASCAR. And I, you know, I don't care anyone says they do it deliberately. You know, you put in a, you know, you go to to Phoenix at the last race of the year, and Jimmy Johnson's leading with three to go, and somebody brushes a wall. There's no way in hell they're throwing a caution. You know, <laughs> no way that's happening. Or if, you know, the championship four are all running back in, like, 15th position with five to go and there's a, you know, a, a wheel nut somewhere on the track, they're going to throw a caution to get those guys to the front. You know, it's, I wouldn't say it's manipulated, but it, it just, again, as a, from a purist standpoint, from a purist racing standpoint, there's something which doesn't sit comfortably. Uh, it could just be my dinner, but I don't know. Could be your dinner, yeah. So, so we're off to uh, Talladega, correct? Yep. Yep. Later so let's. Uh, we've we've just got a about a minute minute or two left in the show. So you guys want to try to pick a you know pick a winner in the crapshoot? Let's see. I'm gonna go with. 
I'd say Tyler Reddick. Why not? Okay. All right. Now, Richard? I'm going to go with a guy who was super impressed in the first three rounds of the chase and had terrible luck uh, at Vegas there with a – I think it was a belt felt came off the mm. water pump. But uh, Tyler Reddick's teammate, Austin Dillon, I think they could uh, you know get it done at a super speedway. They Because the show is only going to get it done at the Roval. Um, you know, no. Let's let's go for a punt on Austin at Talladega. He's got to win basically to keep his uh, playoff hopes alive. Yeah, yeah. There have been a couple of folks actually picking Austin Dillon for this uh, for this week, as he uh, just you know based on he's a pretty pretty darn good record on the um, on the super speedway races. So I'm going to go with Keselowski, who's uh, got a really great record at uh, Talladega and a great record of uh, pulling a win out of his ass when he needs to stay in the playoffs. So um, but, but that's that, true. With that being said, um, we are out of time. So uh, I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank you, Louise. Uh, thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. Uh, I want to thank uh, iHeartRadio and Spreaker. And I want to thank you folks for listening to us week in and week out. Until next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.